Mm-hmm. And it's like you alluded to, there's what, 300, over 300,000 people just in our county. Well, yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, we're building an auditorium that uh, with kids would, would service, let's say 2,200 people. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my gosh, that sounds huge. In what context? Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm super pumped. We're currently in this uh, series called Legacy, which we do every year in the month of December. And this is episode two, following week two of our um, Legacy series at True North Church. We've been talking about what it means to have a legacy mindset and how that drives our mission to introduce people to Jesus and disciple them into devoted, fully devoted followers. And this week we'll cover legacy projects in the past legacy projects right now and then legacy projects that are to come in the future and we're going to spend some time unpacking the heart and the strategy behind these current legacy projects and focus i am here with pastor josh today how are you doing josh as always i'm just doing amazing i am actually excited because pastor jesse's back on the podcast this is three episodes in a row unbelievable man he just always finds his way into this room to record a podcast with us over the last few weeks but it's awesome to have him and we also have a first-time guest Pastor Judah is sitting here at the table with us. Here I am. Here he is. And that's all he might say the whole podcast. No, <laughs> here, he's I am. here you are. <laughs> he's here to talk a lot. But guys, listen, we always start with uh, uh, an icebreaker just to. to when help are we going to stop tone. doing the icebreaker? Never, 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 because you know we've looked at the data and the people love this the icebreaker. They, the stop, yeah, they, they, they stop. Yeah, they stop listening right after this. <laughs> right. So next yeah. episode. Well, then why don't we do it at the end? It's going to be all icebreakers. That's it for yeah, for an hour. But anyway. So this one is uh, it's a little bit family centric. Mm. So I I think the the listeners need to hear maybe a funny story, family story that includes the both of you. Do we need a disclaimer that they are related? They are brothers. Yeah, sorry, we didn't even say that. Nico, great, great point. If you haven't realized it, I have one. Pastor Judah are brothers. I have one. I'm curious what yours is going to be. Do you know what it is? No, I'll just elaborate on what you're saying. (laughs) Make sure it's factually correct. Okay, fact-checking. I won't exhort in this. I'll just tell you, um, when we were younger, um, my parents bought a video camera, and I took it upon myself to be kind of like the... um, I don't even know what I would call myself, but we decided to have performances. Remember this, Jude? Yeah. And my sister, Bethany, we used to get her up on like this little window ledge and, <laughs> and, um, we had this curtain we'd pull up and we'd have the camera set up and had the remote. You remember like yeah. the old cameras had a little remote. Yeah. She'd be like action, right? And we'd tell her you have to sing songs. <laughs> and then Judah would dress up in this little suit. How wow. old were you? Hmm. 10? Me? No, no I was probably you were younger, younger than that. I was that. probably seven or eight. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And he would dress up in like this Man, little I look good. suit. I wish I could wear a suit every day. <laughs> and guess what he did? He did the lighting. He did the sound. He did the curtains. <laughs> it was prophetic. Looking like a professional. Yes, yeah. it was incredible. So he'd be like, introducing. And then he'd introduce Bethany, and then she would sing songs about like lima beans or so something. So was it, was it only... Sure, all original songs. Really? Yes. Was it only Bethany who would perform that set? Well, she was by far the fan favorite. A lot oh, of laughter wow. would I think come. she would bring me up for the closer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do a duet. There yeah. you go. Duet. <laughs> it was beautiful. We, sell, God, we sold beautiful. merchandise. We signed... Um, people's uh, yeah. pictures of us i can imagine was, the lines for autographs were just out the door we well, made we made a decent amount we made a good living here's what i think should happen though i think you know obviously nico does a ton with video for the church here maybe nico you should pull these mm. out of uh, i have know, the old videos of the old videos the and you should just rate them you know what i mean look at them wow or maybe splice them together and create a montage we that we show can the own. church there you go we'll do it mm. bless well, the church with that well do you know i used to do um commercials I was famous for doing commercials back in the day. I think I've heard about this. They were like like toilet infomercials. infomercials. We'd sell toilet paper, spatulas. (laughs) Um, We had fun. We had a lot of fun. Man. Well, um, if we could only locate those and find those I for know. the people, they're hidden in at the least safe play somewhere. the audio. Yes, yeah, Maybe that's more damage. That might that, that <laughs> would be a great Christmas. A great Christmas oh my gift. Gosh. My goodness. Oh yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being honest about that, guys. Um, <laughs> I definitely would love for you to reprise that at some point here in the future. So maybe on a on a Sunday coming up in 2023, we can uh, you can find a way to get Jude up in the suit and, and Beth <laughs> back on the stage. Wow. Singing an original song about lima beans. So I think that would be incredible. She still knows the song, I bet. I bet <laughs> she does. But hey, uh, not that it's awkward to pivot right here. I mean, it is, but we're just going to do it. Sometimes you just got to move on. Um, but uh, we were talking about legacy last week, and we want to continue that conversation of legacy. Obviously, Pastor Jesse, um, last Sunday or two Sundays ago, 
you unpacked um, just kind of the the vision that we have for um, the legacy of this church. You unpacked yeah. a little bit of the beginning of the story of uh, Nehemiah um, and him rebuilding the wall. But um, one thing that we did last or two weeks ago and that we kind of do every week is we we celebrate numbers. We're a church that celebrates numbers. We don't celebrate numbers to pat ourselves on the back, mm-hmm. right? But we celebrate numbers because they uh, they help us gain perspective. What would you guys say is that the perspective that we gain from just taking time to intentionally, you know, share those numbers and celebrate them as a family? Um, numbers are important because they not only, I think there's two things, right? When you see numbers, you can look at them to think about how good you are, or you can see them and look at how good God is. And I think that's the difference. If you have a healthy motivation, when you see numbers, it'll steer you in a healthy way in, in order to adjust things. Like, I think the reason we don't have an issue adjusting things, or should I say like killing ideas yeah. or methods is not because um, we just love changing for changing sake. It's because we have a heart that desires to see, um, you know, the impact that Jesus brings into an environment. And so um, our willingness is motivated by um, desiring uh, you know, to see people meet Jesus. And so when you do that and then you see a number, you're like, man, look how good God is. And it's less about what you do. I do think it helps you refine what you do. Um, but at the same time, it's like, if you think about it, everything is very relative, Mm -hmm. right? And everyone's been given different portions in life and not everyone has the same opportunities, gifts, all of that. So you make the best with what you have, um, I think one of the dangers that, that anyone can get stuck in, which I think I did early on is you always evaluate your effectiveness by looking at other churches. Mm. Um, and then it dawned on me one time when I looked at how many people live in our County right? and you're like, wow, you know, there's 300,000 people that live in our County. And yeah. so like, if you compare yourself to other people in the amount of people you're reaching, you're like, wow, you know, look at what we're doing. And then it helps re- wait, wait. Are you doing this, you know, um, to be patted on the back? Are you doing this because you believe God's called you to do it? Where's the motivation lie? And numbers have been super important. Yeah. You know that, Josh, and Jude has always been involved in numbers. But, um, man, it is such a demonstration of the faithfulness of God when you see numbers. That's how I look at it. Even Pastor Joe, I was saying you have a a huge hand in designing uh, a lot of the, the visual or communication tools that we have that even just celebrate numbers in general. What's, yeah. what's your perspective on that? And what's the narrative that we're trying to share? I think it's more so trying to, it's this tough battle that we always have to focus on. It's this micro macro. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's your story matters. Yeah. Why? Because it's the macro story of God. Mm-hmm. And I think some people either get caught on either one and they don't realize that they are intrinsically linked together. Um, but even to what Jess was saying about with not being married to a method, Mm-hmm. And even trying to figure out, I feel like when you become tied to a method, you think it has to do solely on the method, which is you celebrating what you've done. Mm. Right. But we've realized it's more of a stewardship principle where this isn't us. God yeah. causes things to grow. Yeah. Um, our role as a steward is yeah. to make sure we get out of God's way and allows him to do what he is going to do, mm-hmm. which is make things grow. Yeah. So I think that's why we are always willing to trash a method because we don't want to get in God's way. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing we want to do is only do things because it's comfortable for us, right. um, because we've done it in the past, yeah. because mm-hmm. people enjoy doing it. No, we want to make sure that we stick everything within our mission of introducing a disciple. If it doesn't line up with that, if it's not producing good, healthy fruit um, for the generations, not just a yeah. specific group, then we're going to change it. And I, I, I love that um, flexibility within mm-hmm. within our house and with the, the culture of our teams and everyone yeah. who carries that. Um, but it, even back to the the visuals, it's it's tough because even now, I think I shared this in, in one of our um, Monday meetings um, with the staff, but it's awesome when you can see people using the material and right away yeah. understanding yeah. the greater vision. Um, that's a really exciting to me because it kind of shows that we're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and especially for us, when we even before we built uh, this phase in this building, before we purchased this land, we went in with architects knowing that phase one was just a start yeah. and that we wanted to do phase two. So yeah. before we even bought this seven plus acres, 
we went into it knowing that we wanted to do phase two. Mm -hmm. So for us in the background, phase two has been almost a reality in the back of our heads for so long. So it's like, how do we, and I guess that's the coolest part when you see people opening it up, them pointing to the place of where phase two will be. And now you're like, it's, 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 I don't know. It gives you this weird feeling where you're like, wow, God's doing something in the heart of the church family and the body. And to make something as simple as a legacy guide that people mm-hmm. can look at and grasp yeah. that, like, then yeah, we're on the right track, and it's really exciting when that. And the visuals cool. help people see it as a reality, right? Like, you know, there was someone I know in our church, and I they I would I said the first time they came, I used the word vision, and like they had, were like triggered by it, and right. we've been blessed by God to to see a so much come to pass but the truth is none of it happened overnight i mean you guys know this it's been 12 plus years and a long process and it's been a journey and there's been so many challenges along the way but god's faithful in it all and um and to be able to have a guide to show people like when we bought these 14 acres our our goal was always to have a large auditorium yeah um but I would even go back to the beginning of what Judah was saying, the difference between methods and and really the content. We talk about this all the time. Um, and so forgive us if we um, assume you kind of are tracking with us, but methods are your approach to accomplish ministry. It's wh- how you believe your worship should be done, your mm-hmm. service structure, right. your discipleship, your yeah. outreach, your evangelism, your relationships. It's like, it's all the method. And the truth is there's a lot of different methods that work for different people in different parts of the country. It's right, like, right. you know, and we don't ever demean methods. I actually think it should be celebrated, the diversity of methods. Yeah. The one thing that we're cautious about is that when a method becomes superior um, than the content, meaning... Or, or the substance. Or the, yeah, yeah, content and substance, let's use them as the same yeah, thing. So like the substance would be the, the word of God, the authority and the teaching of the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so sometimes people, I think unknowingly, they elevate methods right. to almost to a place of equality with the substance of God's right. word. Right. Meaning like, well, no, 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 no. We do two songs. That's <laughs> it. We do two. Or it's like, no, we do not allow. I remember growing up, it was like yeah. if an electric guitar was in church, you know, you are going to burn like it's right. bad like but see there are little things like that where it's like oh no we don't do that our service is always two hours we do you know we have to and then in some yeah. way you can live in the protection of a method and then just keep saying no this is what god and i think for us we've realized no 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 the reason people get accustomed to methods is because it's an easy thing to hide behind right um it actually is more you're pretty vulnerable when you say hey you know what if it's not working, we'll take ownership of it and yeah. we'll say, we'll try something different. And so we're not perfect at it, but um, I think when you elevate the substance of the teaching of the word of God and you have a high view of scripture and the authority right. of scripture, um, the method can, should change. The method yeah. should change. Yeah. I, I think yeah. even that that allows an open door for generations to step in. Yep. That's yeah. good. Um, because, and you guys can all hold me um, to this, but I hope when I am old and am a grandfather that I am complaining that the music is too loud in the main <laughs> odd. Um, getting louder, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I think it's one of the things when we become uh, slaves to method, then we don't allow room past leadership mantles and decisions to the next generation so they almost have no involvement right and we say you either commit to what we have been doing or you get out and that's the last thing we want to do but then even going back to what you were saying with vision and how someone cringed when you brought it up i was thinking almost when you were talking about nehemiah this uh in the beginning of the series um and you there was that four-month window yeah of him Mm -hmm. praying fasting and counting the cost i'm not even sure if you mentioned that but like he planned he knew he knew exactly what he needed right at what times he needed so it's not like when he went to the um king he 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 was like well i might need uh this amount of wood i mean he did overshoot his time it only took him 52 (laughs) days and he asked for 12 years but still he knew what he (laughs) wanted to ask for but i guess we're under promise over deliver yeah Yeah, i guess what you were talking about where that person felt weird about it is they probably grew up or were in an environment where they were stuck in the planning period of just praying saying god's going to make it happen but it goes back to what we were doing or what we were talking about earlier where it's like we don't want to get in god's way Right. So I think when it comes to vision, seeing it come to pass, 
part of us is like we don't want to just catch fishing. We don't want to get in God's way. Right. So we're doing everything we can to make sure, hey, if this is a vision of what True North is called to go, we want to do what we're called to do so God right. can make it happen. We'll even talk about that, that whole idea of like the intersection of faith and strategy, right? We talked about even Nehemiah, like the planning and the praying mm-hmm. yeah. and how those are equally important. I yeah. think that's a big part of the DNA of what this church is about. Um, pastors, I see even through your leadership, talk a little bit more about how we do that. How do we, how do we execute on strategy, but still carry the yeah. spirit of faith? I mean, I think the thing I'm different in my personality than you and Judah and Nico, yeah. we're all different. I, I, I would say that everything for me has like at its core relational value to it. I, whenever I meet people, whether they're professionals, whether they're in, you know, local municipality or whatever, uh, I think for me, I always go into it and I have to readjust this. I don't want to just call people for something. I want to make sure that I'm like, okay, listen, bring Jesus into every conversation you have. Um, Ask people how they're doing personally. Like, you know, I always try to do that to make it more relatable. And because I do have a genuine care for how people are doing. But um, I think the big, the big thing about this is, is there, it's a perspective a leader has for their responsibility and the role they carry. And like, when you go to seminary, like I felt I went to a great seminary at Regent University. I I felt like I had some of the best professors ever. I felt served well, I felt challenged. I I felt very equipped. And then you step into ministry and it's like, wow, I didn't have any classes on this, on this, (laughs) on this, on this. Um, I didn't have any classes on land acquisition, on building, on cost (laughs) analysis, on what this would be, on the process of this, on hiring staff and the diversity of, Inter, you know, interconnectivity and relationships with county officials and state officials and local officials. Like you don't, you know, so you fit, you go with it, but I think it's easy to just say, well, I'm just going to pray about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to believe God's going to open, open yeah, a door. Right. And, and I always tell people like, okay, you're going to pray about it. And God's like saying, no, no, no. Um, I already heard you. Like you got to do something. You got to move. And if you, yeah. I, I love it, the scriptures. It's like, you can't find a spot in the text that says like, God, um, God didn't expect anything from anyone. He always required someone to do something. Hey, stand to your feet. Hey, reach your hand out. Right. Hey, they brought them yeah. to the roof and he saw their faith or like yes. they stepped into the Jordan River and then it parted. It's, right. There's always an actionable step of faith and then God meets you there. Yeah, and so yeah. we've just taught ourselves like, listen, you have to give margin for God to show up. Right. Like, could God yeah. call someone I suppose he could divinely have a vision on someone, or you could just pick up the phone and call him yeah. and then say, Hey God, can you move on my behalf when I, when I, when I call? Yeah. Um, and so we've been pretty aggressive in how we've done that. And, and, and I believe the Holy spirit goes before you when you make, when you step out in faith to do those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, I was just on the phone with a, a professional that we've been working with for a while and she, he shared some stuff that he's been going through and, and it's like, it's real tough, stuff and and so paul's going to talk about how he's doing and then paul you know and then saying hey just so you know over the course of our time working together the reason i may seem at times to be obnoxious and pushing this forward and pushing it forward is because we want to serve people just like you who are in seasons of loss and hopelessness and pain and we don't want to just be waiting in limbo we desperately want to reach and help people and so if you want to know why i'm always on the phone and sending emails and doing that (laughs) it's because we have that desire that's the motivation to help build the house of the lord and um yeah that's really good i'm gonna name a couple of prior legacy uh, projects or legacy focuses that we've had as a church and i want you guys to tell me some good fruit that you've seen from these legacy projects, all right? So I wanna start with True North College. Mm. What what good fruit have we seen um, with this investment in True North College? Uh, I guess I'll speak first. I know when Jess originally shot out the idea, it was, uh, it, was it almost seemed far off, but again, uh, it's the beautiful thing about working in ministry is like you get to see how God moves people around. Yeah. So it almost makes you look better than what you are are. always 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 and that's one of the beautiful natures of you get to see the macro scale of what god's doing in the bigger picture of the big c church but again he moved the people around so we could start not at the right time um we started when covid shut everything (laughs) down but even that said like it's been such a beautiful thing for the church 
um, even outside of full-time students, yeah. part-time students, like mm-hmm. it's been such a resource to the church, yes. to the staff. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's going to be a great resource for the generations to come. Yeah. Um, and we're, I know Pastor Jesse's very keen on us getting better and better year over year at knowing our Bible, mm-hmm. biblical literacy. Yep. Yes. Let's get better. Yep. And I think having those open open courses that anyone can jump into at any time, receive. Yes. It's a co- college level course, like, uh, but you can sit in the back, learn, and right. resource yourself. Like that's a huge tool. Um, for for the body of Christ, and I, yeah. I, I, it speaks to what we're trying to do in one aspect of biblical literacy. I just I didn't want to have a college that was strictly in line for people who were like, I feel called to ministry. How about you feel called to represent Christ as a follower of Christ? Mm-hmm. Right. And so what do we do? Right. We need to have another place that says, hey, this is not just like a, a college for those who feel called. No, it's for those who are called. Right. Who are children of heaven mm-hmm. that can be equipped, that can be discipled. And so, you know, I think it's reshaping the way people hear the word college. And yeah. we talk about it all the time. Yeah. It's yep. like, you know, to know that nearly 500 um, individuals in our church have been impacted through courses offered in the college yeah. in just the last year or two, you know? Yeah. And I would even say outside of the church. Yeah. 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 Like, I know we've had a lot of people from, from other church families come in and just sit in teaching, yep. which is yeah. great. Um, no, but I, but I agree. It's one of those things where it's like, not that we want to turn the college upside down and not make it all about full-time ministry, but it is a part of True North. It, right. it is an overflow of the house. And I think the greatest tool that it could be is a resource for everyone within the yeah, body. Yeah. And sure. I think I think at the future, we're going to see that develop more so. Yeah. And um, we that's why we removed the financial restrictions for people to take courses and um, and made classes easy for people that have other professions. Like right. we legitimately want this to be a discipleship pipeline of additional environments beyond a 35, 40 minute teach on, on Sunday, which has at its core, a very, very strong evangelistic kind of pull to it, but at the same time, very equipping and very relevant to everyday life. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that was the, one of the most compelling things for me is just saying, hey, we need to go to another level in helping people grow in their journey with Jesus. So Yeah, that's been so cool even as a, as a professor myself teaching a Come couple on, of professor courses, right? Josh. <laughs> I sound a lot smarter when you say that. But um, no, it's, it's been cool even to see there's people in there that this is their post-secondary yeah. education. And then there's other people who right. uh, are really doing just to grow in their faith yeah. or to be able to better evangelize the people at work. Or um, folks who who feel like some point in the future that right. God's called them to be in ministry or to start a ministry or to serve people in some right. way. So I think just the sheer expanse of the way God has purposed people to be a part of this yeah. is the coolest part of being it. And they all say this, hey, like, I love what I get on a Sunday, but this is a deeper level of theological instruction, of connection, yes. of learning, of sharing. It's It's an enriching experience that they can't get in any other context that we have offered in the previous yeah. time. Yeah. I'm going to flip to the next project, God Behind Bars. That was another one that I believe we had uh, asked the church to sew yep. into. It's one of those projects that I think uh, is a bit longer <laughs> runway yeah. to when we're seeing yeah. what we had envisioned first. But talk a little bit about that, about the good fruit we've seen there, uh, and about the impact that we are making and the impact that we're going to make yes. here just in a few weeks. What I love about it is whatever God's in, it'll sustain you know, it'll be sustained. And, and I think for us to watch God sustain that and not just sustain it, but allow it to thrive mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. midst of all the other stuff. Yeah. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Like, right. you know, um, and the same is true with God behind bars. We had a heart to meet people um, and serve people who are often not served and often neglected. Mm-hmm. And um, our family, I love that. You remember when we announced this uh, Jude, to the, to the church, how fired up they were uh, just to sow into it and to be part of it. And it's yeah. been a journey because I mean, our state is um, our state, and um, it's just, you know, we have challenges in being able to do anything, but right. to watch a consistent consistent team, you and Pastor Luis, just so into the dozen, two dozen, three dozen men that mm-hmm. are faithfully coming to watch the message and be encouraged, it's a powerful thing. And, and um, uh, to know that in a few weeks, week or two, hopefully. We're praying um, on that still. Yes. So praying that we'll be able to very shortly, if not by the end of the year, the beginning of the new year, I'll be able to hold services there on a weekly basis, which is 
part of the dream, right? right. To yeah. be able to minister to them in a powerful way. So, right. so what what has it been looking like? Let's tell the people yeah. <laughs> what yeah. have we been doing. I mean, I, past- I, to be honest, it's like every week, um, Pastor Luis gets an opportunity to engage with twenty five. Yeah. 28 um, people mm-hmm. in a room watching the service. I was um, there for the first one. You were. There were, you were. I believe, three guys. Three guys. Yeah. Three guys yes. that came out to the very mm-hmm. first service. Three guys. Now there's nearly 30, and they get to experience worship. They get to experience the teaching of God's word. And then at the end, they essentially get to have their own crew yeah. time with Pastor Luis cool. and to ask questions, to pray for one another, to share their frustrations, challenges in life. And so every single week when we gather together as a team to celebrate what God did on a Sunday, everyone's kind of peering over to Pastor Luis saying, hey, what about God behind bars this right. week, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but from the beginning to up to even right now in the present, we've done that online. Yes. It's been a 100% yes. online experience. Online. Yeah. And, and we were one of the first with God behind bars to actually I think we were the this. first. Yeah. yeah. Um, so even that was new for them. It was yeah. new for us. It was a yeah. bit awkward at first because <laughs> they don't actually have hands on the ground. It's kind of like we're we're a middleman amongst middlemen. Yeah. Um. So I know there's still a lot of kinks, but right. um, it will be great in the future when we're in person. Hopefully, yes. a lot less kinks. Yeah, um. Yeah. I know even when you said uh, brought up uh, when we mentioned it, people were fired up. I n- remember when you mentioned it. Honestly, it's one of those things where like you have that heart check where you're like, mm. really? <laughs> um. I don't know. When I first heard it, I think it's when you're it's when your Christian beliefs when the rubber meets the road yeah. yeah where it's like at first you're like well they're there for a reason um they've made poor decisions and then you realize hey you know as a christian like i've made poor decisions absolutely right. um by the grace right. of god like he is i am where i am now right. so it's like uh, i think when you think about it um maybe i'm just an oddball out <laughs> um but when you think about it it's just it is going to be such a tool for these guys um um, to really re-enter life, yes. I think with with a second chance, right? Yes. Um, and we're going to do what we can to to help them out in that process. When even in the next phase of this, like right now, you know, we started online. We're going to have in-person gatherings with them, hopefully shortly in the next few weeks, where they'll start up weekly. And then even in the future, through God Behind Bars, uh, they host things like family reunification yeah. nights, yeah, awesome. where you get to see, you know, the family, um, especially like children of some of these men who are over in Pennsylvania at SCI Chester being able to spend a few hours with yeah. their family in an event that's catered just for them. So even beyond what we're doing now, there's so much on yep, the horizon sure. uh, in being able to minister people through God Behind Bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to make it like even more real, I think we had one um, person released. Yeah, one, uh, actually maybe there's two. more now. I think we've had three okay. at this point who've been part of God Behind Bar service and then have transitioned back um, outside the prison um, mm-hmm. and just back to the typical day-to-day. But I know even in that past release has been yeah. able to write them back and forth. And now that, you know, they're back home has been able to communicate with them. Um, and so we, we definitely have a desire not just to walk with them while they're, yes. you know, at SCI Chester, but also to, to come alongside them when they've been released and make sure that they still, um, you know, find biblical community. Yes. A lot of them actually um, can't come over to True North right now just because cross of the river. Yeah, because of parole issues with with release that are part of all of those things. Um, but we're doing our best to connect them to a local church awesome. over there. And to continue to, to pray with them, minister to them uh, as best we can. Super cool. Yeah. Um, I want to get into more of a, a technical question here, guys. But uh, I know we've unpacked uh, a little bit of this, you know, phase one, phase two, <laughs> phase three. What, we have lots of phases that we talk about often. But um, specifically last year's Legacy Focus, we focused on four specific steps mm-hmm. um, of our expansion. While this year we're focused on step five. Yes. Can you guys walk us through those first four steps and then now take us through how we've pivoted to what our focus is on the present? Yeah. The first uh, four steps, which, you know, in themselves were quite a feat, but (laughs) we purchased eight um, additional acres to the 14 acres the church owns um, that is uh, to the south of where the building sits on 55. Um, Those eight acres will be will comprise about roughly 375 to 400 parking spaces. And then additionally, that's where the wellness center will be, mm-hmm. right? The wellness center is on a property of like 1.5 acres. There's a two kind of acre gap where wetlands are. And then the other part of that eight acres will be where the parking is. Right. So we paid um, in full for that. Um, that was, I think, around $650,000. And then um, we plan to build out the parking, which is close to a million dollars. 
um, construct the wellness center site pad, and then actually build out the wellness center. And so uh, all of those were the top, were the first four steps. And we cast a vision before people, and people always ask, Josh, you know this, yeah. like, why do we need it? And then they ask, all right, when is it going to be done? <laughs> right. they're, they're, that's the two biggest questions. That's what they want to know, why and when. And so answering the why, not only does the parking assist us in being able to build phase two for the increase um, and the growing family that we have at True North Church, but we really feel called and compelled um, to move forward with the wellness center. I mean, I mean, Josh, you know this, and Judah, I, it's been in my heart for almost 10 years yeah. to build something that can really help at a deeper, more significant le level, almost like the college is to the body of Christ in its theological teaching and equipping the wellness center will be more of an emotional um, focus on the mind and helping people overcome challenges um, by aligning them with real good relationships and professionals if needed um, to assist them in life. And yeah. so we cast that vision. So many people were excited. We saw um, some of the largest gifts we've ever seen in the life of our church be allocated directly towards that wellness center. And mm -hmm. so today we fully funded those top, those first four projects which is close to like 4.3 million. Mm. Um, it's important to note that in that time period, and Josh, you know this, but just for those who are listening, um, we've saved as much resource as we can every single month right. from right. since we've moved into this building yeah. because yeah. we know that we're not done yet. Um, God still has stuff in plan. And so um, not all of that came through legacy. Right. A, a large portion of it did, but a lot of it has just been the faithful stewardship yeah. the tithes and offerings over yeah. time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I was yeah. going to say even, I know you said steps one through four, but last year, but we put all five out last year. Yeah. Um, and we honestly didn't even have a goal. Yeah. It was more so, hey guys, here's the vision. <laughs> yeah. right. Um, Let's give. Yeah. Let's sacrificially sow into it and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Right. Um, so it was one of those things where I know we were talking about it back and forth. Do we just say step two? <laughs> right. Do we say step three? Right. Right. Um, but then you can tell everyone is probably because of my um, my issues. But um, yeah, I was going to say if you knew all five steps, you would have said them anyway. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the thing for me, right? And I said this on Sunday. It's like I'm if I'm like the worst. If you tell me like as a campaign, well, don't do this and tell this many people to give this much, <laughs> and then don't say that, and then tell them to give, and make it in these four easy steps. It's like, man, I just. I just don't view the body of Christ like that. I view us more as a family, a family. and to share the right. vision of the church um, at the right time so people aren't intimidated. Like, talk about responsibility. I think it's irresponsible um, to ask for resources when nothing is in place. Right. And, you know, you have no drawings, no renderings, mm. no plans, no permits, no design work, nothing. You're like, right. hey, just give. I, I, I think that's irresponsible. And I feel like we've done the due diligence necessary. I mean, Josh, you know, you work with me a daily of this. Yeah. We still have some hurdles we need to jump. Mm. Um, I was going to say, the other question that we get is, hey, how come we haven't built the wellness center yet? Yeah. So what? what's the update there? And like, like what, I told, what are some of the challenges that yeah, we face? Yeah, like I told everyone on Sunday is we submitted for the permits for the expansion the day after we got into this right. building, Yeah, which was what? Was it February 9th? Mm -hmm. Is that our first time? February 9th, 2020. Yep. Yep. I think it was like the week before we submitted for um, permits um, to do the expansion of the 1800-seat auditorium and then the wellness center and the parking. Right. And we're still waiting for one permit from the DEP. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's taking that long. Yep. And so yeah. when people say like, well, are you, have you not submitted? No, no we have given <laughs> everything. Um, We've as done everything. As quickly as possible within our control. Up to putting a tent in their yeah. backyard and just living there with them. Which, Josh, yeah. that may be the next step. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> this is like the, the two prong approach of Nehemiah, yep. right? right? We plan and now we pray. Yeah. Um, yep. Not that That's we're good. still going to try to do some... We have some, some little like, tents yeah. in the backyard well, type thing. Right. And not to um, skip ahead, but like Nehemiah faced opposition. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And we face opposition at times. And one of those oppositional forces, not that it's completely, um, I think, in tension with us, but like part of the process is getting approvals. Yeah. And it's not easy to do that. Like no. you said, in the state that we live in. I mean, everyone told me, no, 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 right. no, 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 on this building. And we're in it. Yeah. And so I just, I, I know that God can supernaturally intervene in ways. And so we're going to do everything we can possibly do so that the project can move forward. I mean, we're even a few days out from the possibility of being able to begin parking and doing other stuff right. um, and waiting for the wellness. But um, 
it's going to happen at the right time. And I've just learned to trust God in that process is to know like, oh, this isn't getting shut down. And it, no, no, it's going to happen. This is the faith. This it's, is where this the faith is, comes in. Yeah. When you've process. exhausted all you can do. But right. that's resting in God's, that's resting in God's, uh, um, in God's sovereignty and just trusting in him and just saying, yeah. God, we, we, we believe we've been obedient to do what is expected of us. And now we're trusting for yeah. you to, to open the doors. So you alluded to that other question, which is the phase two includes 1750 seat auditorium, yeah, right? I keep saying 18 because I'm going to figure out how to get 50 <laughs> seats in well, there. We're going to end up putting plastic chairs there you in go. there. Right. I know oh, we're telling geez, people we're, we're getting rid of them, but we'll, never. we'll be back. Never. They'll, they'll never truly leave. But anyway, 1750 seat auditorium. The question that we get to is like, why do we need a big auditorium? And why can't we just continue to add a million services? Yeah, there's limiting factors to the people you can reach. It's like anything else. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, Josh, let's have, you know, um, all team dinner at your house. <laughs> and you'd be like, well, I can't fit 500 people in my house. You no, know? I cannot. And so I'd, people were like, well, why not, Josh? Just figure it out. Standing yeah. room only. You're like, it will not work. It's the same with us. And I think most of the people know it. I mean, if you come into a service and there's nowhere to park, yeah, there's nowhere, to, there's no more room to check your kids in. Um, it's like, okay, what are our options? Well, we could try to have 12 services in a day. Right. Oof. Um, that hurt your stomach. Yeah. I just said, Oof. <laughs> and, um, but the truth is, is there's optimal times for people yep. and just yeah. the structure of their life. And school starts on Monday and Sunday is, you know, the Lord's day and what we structured out. But a lot of people want to be in the house of the Lord before lunchtime, before noon. Yep. And yeah. you can only fit so many services in. Yeah. Um, and so even if we've, and we've done this, right, Jude, we've, we've calculated, well, what service time here and what service time here. And then we're like, well, if we put them too close, yeah. you can't get 1200 people yeah. out of a property and they get 1200 more people in. And, right. and so is it attention? Yes, it's attention. But I think healthy tensions at times are beneficial. Um, if you serve people in the tension and explain why we have the tensions. And I think yeah, if anything, sure. it reinforces the need to do what we're doing. And it actually answers the why without people having to ask. Yeah. For why sure. are we doing that? And you're like, well, look around. I think yeah. this is a real practical thing going back to the, the micro macro thing um, where the micros is parking in a dirt lot, not having enough parking, yep. coming in, sitting in a plastic chair. It's a chair. good dirt lot. Well, I, I think those little things <laughs> speak to the macro nature yeah. of the yeah. God that we serve. Right. Um, because yeah. it shows tension within a growing family. Yeah. That's the God we serve. He wants to reach people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He has a de desire to be in relationship with the all lost people. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like you alluded to, there's what, 300, over 300,000 people just in our county. Well, yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, we're building an auditorium that uh, with kids would, would service, let's say, 2,200 people. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh my gosh, that sounds huge. In what context? Yeah. Well, um, I think that's yeah. the thing too. It's like I said, when we were talking to someone a few months ago, I said, I'd love to reach, you know, 10% of the people in our county. And now if you told someone in a church context, 30,000 people, it would make them gasp, you know, like, oh my gosh. And I just look at it as like, I think the reason we view it that way is because of how we see ourselves. And we usually see ourselves not in light of who our God is, but we right. also see ourselves in light of who other churches mm -hmm. are. And that mm -hmm. usually is what I believe shrinks your perspective of what God's capable of doing, which he's not. He's mm -hmm. very capable yes. if things are stewarded, managed, led well. Um, the church should be able to reach more than 10% of, of yeah. the people and uh, in this county. And I believe that that, I mean, that's our heart. We yeah. want to be able to reach as many people as we possibly can. So what does that mean? It means expanding our campus here yep. um, and doing that as quickly as possible. It is obviously the expansion of other campuses. Right. Um, I know that we've, we've uh, had, we had a campus in Collingswood. Many people don't know this, but we had a campus in Mayfair in Northeast Philadelphia back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, Nika remembers yeah, that. I remember. And, and I will say this, at those two locations um, we learn so much yeah, and, um, both of those situations, truth be told, really beyond our ability to control, right. Um, in the scenarios of while, why they didn't necessarily last. And we called as many people as we could from those locations to this location. Um, but I feel like right now we yeah. have a absolutely different playbook as yeah. to what it looks like moving forward and launching new locations. And yeah. is it still in our heart? 150%. Yes, and it will happen. I believe it with all my heart. And again, I believe it's a timing thing um, so that we can reach more and more people. I would love to see, um, you know, a true North church in, in so many of the main yeah. cities in South Jersey and, yeah. and the region beyond. Um, 
for sure. But I believe, again, it's a timing thing. Right. It's stewarding well what you have now, creating margin, discipling leaders, developing leaders. You cannot microwave people for significant roles in ministry. Yeah, that's good. And mm -hmm. I want to make sure that in the time period, we are developing as many pastors, leaders, worship leaders, kids leaders, youth leaders um, that we possibly can. Yeah. So when the opportunity is present, we don't look at each other and say, hey, do you know anyone that yeah. could uh, it, do this? It's going yeah. back to like the, again, planning and then the prayer. It's like, like we did this the is, college for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's like, it's God's heart to reach people. Right. So who's the variable in this equation? Yeah. yeah. It's not God. Yeah. God's heart is to reach people. Right. So then it the feels concept. like us, mm -hmm. the church, is the variable. Mm -hmm. um, so it goes back to what Pastor Jesse was saying about stewardship, timing, faith, investing in people, yeah. investing yeah. in the next generation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's all of them. And obviously we've been super shrewd with just tracking numbers in a way that we realize that 9 and 11 are, like Ideal. you said, Judah, earlier, like just even regionally, the prime time. That's yeah. when yeah. people want to come out, they want to be here, and we want to provide opportunities to do that. In turn, obviously with that many more people in the main auditorium. Um, what does that mean for Compass Kids? I don't want to make sure we hit on that. What does that mean for Compass Kids and yep. what does that mean for like this building that we're currently in where we have an auditorium? Yeah, I, I'll speak to it real quick then, Jess can. Um, Compass Kids, the next generation is something that I feel like in the next two years we're going to invest. Yeah. I don't want to say a ton more, but a ton more <laughs> of of um, not only want? just resource with, with, with staff, with, yep. right. with teaching, yep. um, with more um, parenting resources. Like, I think this will be an area where um, we'll kind of explode within the next few years. Yeah. Um, so speaking to when the next auditor auditorium is built, um, this whole building that we're sitting on is sitting in and that everyone that we currently use on a Sunday will just be kids. Mm -hmm. um, so, if you think kids is crazy right now, when you go to pick up your kids, imagine well, let's kids put, doubling yes. or and tripling. I do think though, in that context is, and that's another exciting thing is this entire building will be redesigned yep. to better serve right. yep. five, 600, Flow 700 be better, kids on that, a Sunday yeah. per service. Yeah, hundred percent. And so like when they come in, you don't have to wait four hours to get your kid. I mean, our team does an amazing yeah, job they do. They really in do. the in the facility that we're in and the challenges yep. we have. I mean, you can only do so much. Yep. And I believe our team is doing the best they can. Are we perfect? No, we make mistakes. But um, like to what Pastor Judah was saying, when we start redesigning this space, and again, we view buildings as tools, not monuments, mm -hmm. right? They're tools. And so if you have the right tool, it'll help you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Supposed and to amplify the vision. Yeah. That's what it it's supposed to. to. It has to. I mean, there's one thing you can come like, that's a beautiful building, but nothing can, you can't use it. Mm. Um, and we see a lot of them yeah. um, in today's culture where it's like, that building is amazing. It seats 2,000 people. You're like, well, you can only park 40 cars. Right. And you're like, well. It's not um, practical. <laughs> yeah, we And so, uh, yeah, I think if you view a building as a tool, um, it'll, it'll serve the vision of the house the best. Yeah. That's really good. I want to come back to, to Nehemiah a little bit in that we said um, there's the, the praying and the planning. Mm -hmm. And Pastor Judah, Pastor, so you guys have mentioned this now several times throughout um, our conversation, and I think it's vital that we underscore it. But I want to look at it at this lens. This coming week, we will receive our offering. Obviously, it's been open for the last few weeks, but we're going to pray over it. We're going to receive it. Um, you know, we're going to you know bring it to the Lord. And so people should be in preparation for this praying and planning. Yep. So I want you guys to, to talk a little bit about what can we be praying for mm -hmm. and how can we be planning as a church and individually here to bring something? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? Because you know, when you're talking to people about resources, you know that you're talking to people who have been faithfully tithing and giving offerings for 25, 30 years in our church, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether it's to, I mean, True North or other places that that's just part of their journey. They trust God with their finances. They believe that everything they have has come from him. They are obedient to the biblical principle of tithing and offering. And so right. they're doing that. Yeah. Nothing's changing in their life like that. We're having a legacy offering. They're going to give, they're going to sow in. And the only thing we ask people in this legacy is, it's to kind of revisit what you feel the Holy Spirit is nudging you to do mm. um, in a unique way. And because we believe this is unique, we believe this can be a um, a season of challenge and stretching and 
uh, of sowing something of a seed mm-hmm. into the future of your family's legacy. And so I just think it's important. You know, I, I think Liza and I were pretty like, we'll pray independently about it. And then typically this is how it goes down. I'm like, I'm thinking about a number. And then usually my number is like not as high as my wife's number. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, Hey, how about this? I'm like, Oh, okay, great. <laughs> and then, um, but we'll just pray about it and we'll say, Hey, you know what? hundred percent. If we could add a lot more zeros to that number, we would, yeah. you know, but it's just cause our hearts here. So, but I think the healthy thing is to know that we do this every year. Yeah. This isn't like a yeah. one ask and then like, Oh, people have just given, they have not, no, no, right. no. I think creating margin in your life to be able to faithfully give into a legacy is an inhal- it's a mm-hmm. healthy thing to yeah. do. Yeah. I was going to even say outside of that, the broader picture of it is that I think we want to articulate to the family is like, this is a mindset. Yeah. This isn't a one-time thing. And yeah. I, I think that's the one thing about the story of Nehemiah that gives you, it's a bit different than legacy where it's like he built this wall and then he pieced out. Yeah. Um, the one thing that is correlated <laughs> directly is that like generations, like right. Jesus came through that wall, like it was used by generations. That's the one thing that I think is so connected into what yeah. legacy is. Right. But I would almost say just commit to the mindset of legacy. It's really good. God doesn't want to stop with this generation. Yeah. I, in fact, me and me and Jess talk about this all the time. If this dies with us, we fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, the whole reason why we're, we were called to this, our parents were had that mindset where it's like, if this is a church just for us and our generation, we fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think going into it, um, asking God, maybe you don't even share that mindset. Maybe you don't even have kids yet, or you never have had kids. It's one of those things where you're like, well, if it's just me, where does that fit mm. in this broader thing of legacy? And I think that's where you have to see, like we've been talking about, this isn't, the church is a family. Mm-hmm. The church is people. Yeah, it's, it's really if good. you don't have, if you don't have kids, you're leaving a space for someone else like yourself yeah. in yeah. the future. And mm. it's creating margin for someone else to experience what you've experienced. And, um, the but, mindset component of it is powerful. It's like, if you don't have a mindset of, of legacy, and I'll say this, like, if you're listening to this and you're like, maybe you shut it off because you were like, oh, they're going to talk about money. I think that's a part of it too, where it's like, you do need to wrestle with your finances in mm. the sense of like, are you For honoring sure. God? And yeah. if you're like listening and you're like, oh, I'm not even doing that, then you need to start yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a big difference between saying, I'm going to give this big check, but I'm not faithfully honoring God. Right. Um, so that's and, really like what you're saying is, if you're not honoring God in the area of tithing, your next step is to honor God in, in the area of tithing. That's why this, yeah. you know, two weeks ago I said to people like, if if you feel coerced into giving because everyone else around you is, don't give a dollar. Yeah. Right. Like because to me the motivation's wrong. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't want people giving and they feel like, oh, we have to give and that's what the pay. no. Right. If you if if you and I think that's the thing, right? The motivation of your heart needs to be in such a place that I believe the scripture when it says that every good and perfect gift has come from above. God has blessed me with the gifts and talents I have, which essentially earns me the income I have. God's blessed me with my resources. I should steward well through tithes and offerings to the local church and that I should be willing to be generous in all seasons of my life, but do it joyfully. Yeah, I was even going to add to that. It's like, I think this legacy mindset even see, speaks before... Um, it's not only what you can give to the church, but it's like even what we want to partake onto you. That's yeah. why we bring people in like Joe Sangle. Right. Yeah. It's like even before, like, let's be real. Okay, you can start tithing, but if you aren't stewarding the 90%, the right. way yeah. God calls us to steward it, it will fail. Yeah. No right. matter if you tithe, it will fail. Right. So I, I love that about our church. And then we have the Legacy Trust where it's like, talk about legacy. Right. You're setting up a trust that the church will pay for, um, for its duration to make Obviously, sure yeah. everything that you have gets to the places that you want to see exist right. beyond yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it goes back to the mindset. It's not just one thing, it's multiple things. Right. And I know that may feel overwhelming, this whole idea of legacy, but I think that's where the faith comes in. That's where it's like, I'm not doing yeah. it all. God's yeah. working behind the scenes. Um, I'm praying, I'm seeking his face in these bigger decisions and how much I, maybe my family can, uh, sew into, uh, this, uh, phase, phase two, step five. Um, but yeah, it, I I think that's all, it's all different too, right? It's always saying like, stop comparing your gift to other people. 
give what you can. Every gift matters. It's important. It adds to our ability to bring the vision to pass. And you know this, Josh. Right. It's like, when is it going to get done? It's like vision happens at the speed of our generosity in this family. Right. And so if that's people good. continue to be generous, the vision will come to pass even quicker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and that's, that's, that's patience. You know? Yeah. But what's funny, um, we always talk about even just sometimes how our, our, our kids teach us or they remind us something. Um, my wife was telling me the other night that um, my daughter and Pastor Kyle's daughter were going through this legacy guide and they flipped it open and they looked at everything. And as they were looking at it, they weren't saying things like, oh, look how big that room is or that looks cool. They literally were like, oh, this is where the kids will be. I can't wait to see so-and-so there. Or here's where we'll have youth. Yeah, I can't wait to invite all of my friends yeah, here. Really I know, cool. And they were naming specific names of, of uh, their friends who they that's wanted why, to see here in church. And man, I was just thinking as you guys were talking, like, isn't this is why God's called us to what we do. And this is yeah. how we can be obedient to him is yeah. making space, making room for people who are far from him. People even who we know are far from God to yeah. be a part of this family. And so, um, man, you guys have really just done a great job, I think, of highlighting the heart of legacy and um, helping us better understand, you know, where, where God's leading this church yeah. and who is calling us to be as a collective group. So yeah. thanks for doing that. Yeah, for sure. We talked um, a lot about numbers today, um, but uh, Pastor Jesse, you said right off the beginning, um, whenever you see a number, uh, let that uh, be a challenge to yourself to think, um, look at what God does. When I see those big numbers, um, to just give the glory back to God and, and recognize um, his story in all of that. Uh, we talked a lot about method and substance, and this has just been something that's been a heartbeat of um, True North is method is just the means and substance is the truth. And at any point, we are willing to trash a method to get out of God's way and make sure that the truth is um, coming through and it is the top priority. Um, We talked about Nehemiah, that plan and prayer is key. Um, You can't just pray and you can't just plan. Um, Both are vital in in legacy and in in vision. And um, we have to give margin for, for God to show up. We also hit on some of our legacy projects. In 2020, we um, fully funded True North College. We fully funded God Behind Bars. And 2021, we fully funded Steps 1 through 4, which included our extra eight acres, um, parking, wellness center site, and wellness center construction. And this year, 2022, um, we are putting out there Step 5, which is our Phase 2 expansion, which includes site work, parking, parking. almost 1800 person (laughs) seat auditorium and uh the reconstruction of phase one this building um for compass kids and i just want to end with um 300 people live just in this county alone and we want to reach them and beyond that Uh, for your further study join us um in this series and just reading the book of nehemiah so good guys i hope you had a good time thanks for sharing your heart pastor judah we loved having you on no it's your first time you did a great job Thank you so much. But hey, church, we want to encourage you. I think they fell asleep. I don't know. I was like, where are they at? They just left. They just left. But uh, church, can we encourage you? If you have any questions about legacy, um, we we value transparency. And so um, ask your crew leader. um, Talk to uh, someone on team here, someone on staff. We would love to answer your questions. And and even if you feel more comfortable shooting us an email, just email us at give at truenorth.cc. We would love to, to help you, equip you, and answer any questions you have. I want to remind everyone that Legacy, more information on Legacy is on our website. It is. Under, under the, the Give tab. tab. You can go to Legacy Offering, and then you can go to Legacy. You can see some renderings and some of the details that we talked about. Yep. Well, as always, we love you, church. We're praying for you. And remember, don't wait till Sunday. Go be the church. <laughs>